Welcome back to the podcast. I'm the host, Sean Boyce. I'd like to welcome my guest to the show today, Okori Rems, who is the VP of Sarbanes-Oxley at Kaiser Permanente and the Vice Chairman of the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, or the AICPA. Hello, Okori. How are you? And welcome to the show. Great, Sean. Thanks for having me, and great to be here. Excellent. Thank you for making the time. I'm very excited to explore your background, area of expertise, and then talk more about content we've got to prepared for today's episode. However, before we dive into all of that, if you wouldn't mind sharing more about your background for our audience so they can learn more about you and how you got to where you are today, I think that would be a great place to start. Fantastic, Sean. And I'll start with kind of a, a quick overview because I know that we'll probably get into more details as we, you know, get into the conversation, but not to kind of belabor it. Uh, I'll start with, you know, I began my career in public accounting with internships uh, with Deloitte Anderson and Coopers and Libran. That was kind of my initial foray into public accounting. And that actually occurred while I was in college at San Francisco State University. Uh, from going from going from an intern, I eventually decided to join Coopers and Libran. That was the first organization that I joined upon graduating from college. And I spent about five years with them uh, between the San Francisco office and the Chicago office of, of their um, of that organization. Uh, while I was in Chicago, I transitioned to Arthur Anderson because Coopers and Library was merging with PricewaterhouseCoopers, and uh, I just elected that I didn't want to work for the merged firm. can get into that as well, um, should we decide to go there. Uh, but I ultimately transitioned to Anderson. And I worked with Anderson for another five years between their um, headquarter office in Chicago and then the San Francisco Bay Area. And as I was working with Anderson, I eventually decided that I kind of had the what ifs. wasn't sure what I wanted to do, if I wanted to stay the path or go into industry. And I ultimately liked to go into industry. And I spent uh, two years with Robert F. International. Now, just dating myself a little bit, I actually left Anderson pre-Enron. So this literally Enron and WorldCom, that was actually happening around the time that I was transitioning, but didn't know it. And so I was actually uh, with with uh, Robert Half starting in, I want to say, September-ish of 2001. And the interesting thing about that is when Enron and WorldCom and those other you know uh, issues occurred, with Anderson, uh, when Anderson imploded, their risk consulting business came over to Robert Half International. And so I ended up working with individuals who were at Robert Half, excuse me, at Anderson and Robert Half in their environment. And again, I can talk a bit more about that, but that was a really interesting journey uh, in the development of productivity, which became the fifth player in the internal controls and risk management space. But I, I stayed with Robert Half for about two years, decided that I wanted to work for a kind of big organization, have a little bit more opportunity. And so I went back into public accounting and joined Ernst & Young. And at the time, you know, Anderson no longer existed. Cooper's Library no longer existed. So I, uh, but I had the relationships to uh, build a relationship and go into to EY. And so I left and went uh, there as a, as a senior manager. Did another five years with them and decided I was done with public accounting. It's a great profession, great opportunity to do a lot of really cool and interesting things, but I just wanted a different path. And so I, at that time, I joined uh, Kaiser Permanente as a director in their Northern California region, which was amongst their largest regions. And uh, I've been there for now almost 14 years. And it's been just an amazing journey. I've done a lot of really cool things that we can talk about, uh, but it's been an amazing opportunity to have an impact in an organization that is very mission-focused and driven and uh, be able to really support that effort. So that's kind of the nutshell. 
what I, what I, how I got to where I am. That is an incredible uh, career history that you have and quite a significant amount of experience as well, too. And I, I'm, I think I've been trying to do more of on, on my episodes is get inside the minds of my listeners in terms of the questions that I'm sure they'd like to ask. And one of them is, uh, since you have significant experience in both, curious to learn more about what your experience is like, you know, with how much you have in both in public accounting and then outside of it as well to making that transformation. Curious to hear a little bit in terms of what some of those differences were. Um, what was, you know, what encouraged you to, to make kind of the transition and then what that experience has been like so far. All right. Well, well if I, that, there was a lot in that, Sean. It's basically like if I were to summarize inside and out of public accounting, because uh, I know that's that's a topic that's talked about quite a bit and you have a lot you of experience in, in both. You got it. So I'll, I'll start there and we can definitely hit on some of those, those other items as well. Uh, so in terms of public accounting, the, the thing that I think is most interesting there is that you will get an immense opportunity to grow, stretch yourself, uh, be put in positions that you may not have thought you could do. You you may even feel a bit of imposter syndrome you know, being in those environments because you feel like, I, I don't know if I can do this. But the whole intent is that you, you're there to learn. Your clients also know that, you know, at the early stages that you're there to learn, that you you will provide value, you know, later, but in the beginning, it's really about learning, you know, getting the fundamentals of becoming a, an expert in your trade. And uh, over time, you do that, whether you're doing it in different, you know, industries that you're working in, or uh, you're becoming a, a subject matter expert in a given you know, space. Uh, and because you're working on many different clients, and you're working with, uh, you know, a lot of generally pretty young people, it's pretty fast paced. And uh, I would say there's a, a lot of you know, opportunities for, for growth. It's a clear, uh, you know, I would say ladder path of, you know, you, you're at a staff for a couple of years and you're at a senior for a couple of years. You're at a manager for about five years. And, you know, after maybe a couple of years, maybe you then make a director or you move to partner. And so it's a very clear path of how you grow in your career. And I, I think it's pretty clear on the efforts and actions that you need to do to, to get there. Um, now, I would say that at, at times it can be a situation of where it's still to the degree up or out, right? That if you don't continue to progress in you know your roles, that you may either decide that this isn't the right fit, or I'm, I'm going to leave, or you may be asked to leave, depending, right? So a lot. So there are a lot of factors in that. Now, in industry, what I would say is that uh, at least what I've found, uh, especially with you know Kaiser Permanente being in a you know. It's a nonprofit organization. It's an integrated healthcare system. Um, it's a very mission-driven and focused organization, right? And so this is the first organization whose mission I know by heart. And I can tell you that I did not know the mission of the organizations that I had worked for prior, right? And that's not to say that that was a bad thing, you know, for those organizations, but it just, that wasn't paramount, right, to who we were and what we were doing. I could tell you the taglines. You know, the organization, but I couldn't tell you today uh, what the missions were, right? And so I believe working in an organization, at least like the one that I do, it, you you find that there's differences in terms of the passion why you're there. Uh, it may be, you know, very, very different. It may be that you're making lateral moves versus just um, kind of a, a ladder in terms of where you go in terms of your career. Uh, that you, depending on, on the size of organization, you can do a lot of, you know, different things. And when you do leave public accounting, depending on the level that you leave, you can really catapult yourself into 
different roles and opportunities based on the experiences that you had in that public accounting space. So, so I, I think that there's some huge wins on both sides of the table, you know, depending on what you want. Uh, I used to say very early on uh, when I was, you know, I, I would say, I would say earlier in my, in my career that if you were in public accounting, because of the type of experiences that you had, you may very well, after two, three years, if you were, if you, you and another person were starting at the very same level, right? You're both coming out of college. The person who had a couple of years in public accounting may very well be the boss of the person who just went directly into industry because of the types of experience that you get. Not always, but I believe that you get a very broad range of experiences that help you to develop you know, faster and uh, just you grow. Now, in industry, I think you do become a much more of a subject matter expert. And the value that you can provide happens faster because of what you know and what you have you know, gleaned from working in that environment. So, again, that's why I say it's there's some wins on both sides, but clearly some pretty broad differences as well. That's super interesting. I think you somewhat read my mind in terms of where I was thinking of going next in terms of based on where you were at the different points in your career and, you know, public accounting and then industry. Are there any characteristics for uh, individuals throughout their career that you think make them a good fit? for one or the other at either a particular point in their career or what they happen to be looking for uh, personally in terms of like fulfillment in their career. Any recommendations for folks out there who are considering either or, or essentially when to make the transition? You know, and, and that's, that one is, it's a hard one because I, I can tell you definitely from my experience what I believe, but it may, but I'll tell you, this is one of those things where it's, it's very, you know, individually, you know, or, you know situational specific. But what I, what I would say generally is that the person who, you know, likes, uh, I would say, a variety of projects uh, is someone who's a fast learner, um, likes to work in dynamic environments, that that is someone who may be starting in public accounting is a good environment uh, where, where you want to really grow, where you don't have a whole lot of experience, but you have you know, a, a good attitude, willing to grow and learn, uh, and seeking to stretch yourself, looks for someone for an opportunity to uh, really you know advance with a, with a clear path. Those are all things that I think public accounting can do for you. From an industry perspective, I believe if you sometimes depending on the nature, like if you, I would say it's it's different between if you're in a startup environment versus if you're in a very mature organization, very different, right? In a startup environment, I think you want very similar things that you might find in public accounting, just the very fast paced, you don't know what the next day is going to look like. Those kind of things may work better in that kind of industry environment. In a more steady, you know, I will say established company, there is a bit of more you know, routineness into the organization, but because of how organizations are changing and the fact that you have to be innovative to be you know, fresh and new and to stay relevant, that you need to bring that to the table more so than I would say ever before, because those companies that have been just your traditional you know, where, you know, we, we, you know, we build widgets or we do, you know, this, this activity on a normal, you know, routine basis that, you know, someone will eat you, right? They will have your lunch, right? And, and you will be taken, you know, to the curb. So you really have to think about how do I bring, you know, what is my unique skill set and interest to the table and bring those ideas to creep, to, to keep us just relevant, 
you know, in the environment in which we're working in. So, you know, I think it could be a little bit of a different pace if you're in industry because it's more of the, you know, the same thing within an environment, but how you, again, stay relevant and keep the, the company growing requires that you think differently and that you have an open mind that you're changing and in, in, in innovating to create value. Yeah, that's super helpful and a great way to describe a loaded question. <laughs> great way to answer a loaded question, right? Because that's that's a common one. It comes up quite a bit. And there's always usually some pretty good point counterpoint. And I know since you have a lot of experience having done both by this point, uh, your perspective is super valuable there for folks that want to know more. And then since you've been in multiple leadership positions as well also, and I know we've talked about this previously, but I imagine along the way you have picked up uh, quite a bit in terms of advice or guidance that you'd have for not just today's leaders, but tomorrow's leaders as well. Also, uh, I believe you even have a construct for this of sorts. I'd love to spend kind of the balance of this episode going through that construct, if you will, learning a little bit more, uh, educating some of our listeners on it. And then I'll probably have follow up questions for you from there about perhaps the steps in the process or a little bit uh, more about the model. You, you got it. So, so I'll take the the listeners through the the six principles of leadership as i like to call them and i'll I'll just go through the six and then let's definitely dialogue on them because i think at least having the foundation of what they are and how i learned these lessons will be helpful so i'll go through that for a little bit and we'll see where we go so so the first um principle is you are more than your career and so what that represents to me is that when you think about you know who you are as an individual, that there are many elements of of who you are. Your career is only one of them, right? And so, you, if you get so wrapped up in you know I have this title, like I you know I'm a vice president or I'm a senior manager or I'm a partner in you know whatever given organization, that you can possibly lose yourself if that is the only thing that you were known for. Right. Or if that's the only thing that you that has really driven, you know, you know who you are. And so you don't want to be this one trip pony where that's all that you are is, you know, that that job. Because let's say if for some reason you decide that it's no longer the right fit or if the organization decides that you are no longer the right fit and something happens where you're no longer there. Well, do you now lose your identity in, in who you are because that's what you thought you Word. Well, the hope is that because maybe you are you're a parent, or you are a um, you know a, an entrepreneur on the side, and you have a side business, or you you know have uh, you know some other like really cool, interesting activities that you're involved in, or you're involved in the ICPA, or you're involved in NAPA, you know, you're involved in so many different organizations that you could be, right? That 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 begins to be part of the story of who you are, and so you want to make sure that 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 is all you know, relevant. The next um, principle is to focus on developing your technical skills early. And what I mean by that is not just like when you're coming out of school, because that is one way to frame it and look at it, is that when you're joining a new organization that you need to focus on developing those that technical skill to help you advance and grow. Well, really, those technical skills, you're going to need and learn at any stage in your career. And at various levels, you're going to renew, re-understand what, what's important. So there's this concept of learn, you know, re- relearn. And um, it's, it's like the three principles. It's like learn, learn, unlearn, and relearn, right? So, so that ultimately, you know, if you, you have, that's part of the evolution, right? Is that you can't just think that, okay, I've got this. And so I now don't need to, you know, continue to evolve and grow and learn and, uh, and learn new things. 
because you you will become irrelevant. So learning your technical skills early in any stage of your career is really important. There's a story that I have that goes along uh, why that came, how that came forward for me. Uh, do you, is it a good time to share that now? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So, so basically, early in my career, I'd say I was probably like a experienced senior when this occurred, and and so I was basically focusing on some of the areas. And I was in public accounting at the time. Uh, I had a it was actually a publicly traded company in real estate, and they had things that were you know, pretty complicated, like loss reserves, which you know looks at you know you know is the asset valued appropriately? You know, should it be should there be an adjustment to write down the asset? Because maybe something major has happened, or, or and then you you have debt covenants because you know you, you have a lot of debt when you have real estate. So I was focusing on things like cash and accounts receivable because they were big dollar values, but they weren't that risky and they were things that I knew and that I could easily you know address you know, while, you know while I was you know in the field. And so when I, the partner came out to do their first review, what do you think the first thing they wanted to look at? Well, it wasn't cash and accounts receivable. It was debt covenants. It was loss reserves, which were the more complicated areas. But I hadn't worked on those first, right? And so I did the things that were easy. And so what? So ultimately, the partner gave me a lot of review notes on the things that you know they were most concerned about, the things that were risk driven, that either were risky to the organization or risky to the firm, because if we didn't get it right and you know, come up with the right conclusions, we could have some liability. So when the partner left the field, you know, they, you know, were like, well, you know, at least cash was good, you know, and I just felt my heart sink, right? Because it's like, I didn't focus on building the technical skills in the things that were important first. Right? And so that was where that really came into play. Um, now, you know, I've clearly I've learned that lesson <laughs> and, and actually I've shared that lesson with many others because being vulnerable, I think is also important in sharing where your successes are, but also where your failures. Definitely. Now, now, the third one is know when you're no longer working in the right place for you. And sometimes that can be hard because we like, as humans, I believe we, we like to be comfortable. And you have to be get, you have to get to a place where you're comfortable being uncomfortable. And that sometimes means that, well, okay, I, I'm not in the right place because I'm no longer growing or I'm not providing the value that I think that I could, you know, or the organization doesn't necessarily see the value that you might be able to bring. So I think you have to kind of look at, am I in the right place for, for me? Uh, and I think that there's, there's more stories I could tell on that. The fourth is building a relationship with a broad group of people. Now, Sean and I, we've connected, you know, via LinkedIn. You know, we, we, neither one of us needed to like try to, you know, get to know one another a little bit more, but the fact that we did, we're now here doing this podcast together, right? So it, so it just goes to show how building that relationship with a broad group of people, you never know where, your relationships and, um, and opportunities will take you. Right? That's, well said. And then the fifth is developing your personal brand. So what are you known for? And are the way that people perceive you consistent with what you want to be known for? If it's inconsistent, there's some work to do to bridge that gap. And then the last one is thinking and working beyond the benefit of yourself. And because you can very easily just focus on me, myself, and I. Right, but I think that you get so much more, at least that's been my experience, that I get so much more out of helping others to achieve their goals or mentoring and developing other people and seeing the fruits of that labor grow, knowing that maybe I had some little impact into helping someone advance where they want to be and, and grow. And I've got some really great stories of just how 
that's landed and, and has really come true to form. So those are the six principles, but I want to stop there just so we can engage a bit more and, and see where we take the conversation. Yeah, I know I know we've talked about these before, but I really think it's very comprehensive and a great amount of detail for people to think through as they're trying to figure out how do I manage all of the things I'm supposed to be doing at all times, which can quickly become overwhelming, right? The, I think the construct that you have here is great and uh, relatively straightforward process to hit on each of the categories that I think are really important for successful career development without necessarily leaving any stone unturned because I know a lot of folks might put kind of, so to speak, all their eggs into one basket thinking that might be the direction they need to go, but they end up either missing something or underappreciating something that's really important. And I think your model does a good job of covering a number of different principles that folks might not think much about, especially earlier in their career, but sometimes ever. Like the one I know we've talked about before is the one where you talk about kind of the importance of networking or the how we got connected, the building relationships principle right now, important that is. Um, I know when I was, I was a, I would say a much more naive <laughs> engineering student way back when I thought it was just going to be an element of, I just need to do my work. And that's really all that matters. I do good work. I'm going to be successful. Right. And I, I didn't, I didn't have an appreciation for what building really the power of building relationships really meant like you gave a great example on us connecting and recording this podcast episode now i'm hoping this is going to help others as well too so right having a multiply multiplying effect there i mean other people reach out to connect with you and other people reach out and connect with me we'll connect other people in each of our respective network to help each other yes that effect is super powerful right and i was missing it almost entirely until you know i knew i didn't have it and i knew that i needed it and it was uh it was later in my career when I really kind of stumbled upon knowing that I needed that. And uh, building it from zero is, you know, building anything from zero is definitely hard. Building a network from zero is very hard. So it's one of those things where like the sooner the better, right? The best time to plant a tree <laughs> kind of mm -hmm. thing from the perspective of building a network. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about that one because I'm sure there's plenty of folks out there that can relate to kind of the scenario that I was in. And regardless of where they are in their career, some of the things they can start doing to really um, take advantage of the opportunities. Like number one, like what are some of the opportunities? Why should they be thinking of investing in that? And then number two would be what are some of the things they could start doing to take advantage of that and start building it themselves? You got it, Sean. Well, and it's one that, that I, I truly love connecting with people and, and that, you know, genuine curiosity of just learning about, you know, different environments, different people and what makes them tick. Those are the things that just really just drive me. So, but what I would say is in terms of how you build, how you start, right, is the first thing that you can do is, you know, within your circle of the people that you work with on, maybe it's an account, if you're in a public accounting, or if it's on a project, if you're in industry, these are different things that you can do to start to, you know, one, build that network with those group of people first. Now, ways to really build on that are, first of all, doing great work, right? Because if you are doing a horrible job, you're not going to build a lot of really great relationships because people are going to think, this person sucks, right? They're not doing it. They don't do a good job. They're not consistent. Whatever those behaviors are that don't align with someone who will be deemed high value, you, you, you want to make sure that you're doing those right things. So that's just, you know, table stakes. Now, where do you go from there? You, within the organization, look for people who inspire you. Is there someone that you see that is just killing it? You know, male, female, um, you know, transgender, whatever. Is there someone who you see that 
I just kind of makes you think, wow, that person's really on the ball, or I really like the way that they approach this particular meeting, or I see how they address issues or how they may, you know, diffuse a complicated or, or challenging issue. Connect with them, ask them if they could, you know, have a coffee chat with you. In this virtual environment, there is almost no one who's accessible, right? Because you can't, you can reach them through, you know, Zoom or, or you know, teams or something. So I would seek an opportunity to connect with them and just tell them that, you know, I was in a meeting with you and I saw how you engaged in XYZ and I would love to just understand your story, understand how you gain that skill. People are happy to tell you more about who they are because they know no one better than themselves. And so that's, that's another way. Another avenue would be getting involved in organizations. You know, I'm going to appear, you know, do a shameless plug, but you know, being involved in the AICPA is a great you know, a- avenue for you to get on a committee and you know, serve in, in the organization uh, on different task force that are tied to things that you have an expertise in. You know, that's a great way to get to know more people and build your network. And again, back to the point of you know, doing things well. Right, that if you are involved in an organization or a committee or doing something that is outside your core work, treat it like work. Right, because if you go in it and that's oh, this is just something I'm just doing to pass the time, and that I don't is, is not really important, or you know I, I've got these other commitments, and that I, you know my friends are asking me to go out for a drink, so I'm going to do that instead of, of this other commitment that I have. That will show up, and it will not you know look kindly in that if you should at some point need someone to be a reference for you or who you know, may have a lead on this particular person you want to connect with because maybe that could generate new business. Those kind of things won't go well if people don't see you, you know, again, producing the best work that you can. And so while you want to be thoughtful about how you allocate your time and that, you know, I know you need to pay the bills, so you got to do the work first. But if you're involved in a committee, make sure you can commit the time to do that and do it well. But those are things that I would say is just to get started in terms of building relationships and then leverage tools like you know, LinkedIn to just broaden your network and, and post, right? Because people, what, what I've found is that how I've kind of extended my network is that periodically, not, not you, know, cons- you know, always out there, but periodically posting about something that I think is of value or of interest to people that that t- generally brings people that you didn't know into the fold who are like, wow, that person did something pretty cool. I'm going to like that. And, and they may not be connected to you, but you then connect with them because they, you know, saw something that you did or you saw something that they did and people are willing to be you know, part of your network if you show interest. So those are just some things I would say initially. Fantastic. Amazing tips about something that is super important. Sooner the better. And I especially like your recommendation as well, too, about basically being recognized for your work. That's among one of the best ways to kind of grow your reputation. So if you're doing great work, great way to be recognized, leverage that, right? Use that as an opportunity to connect with more folks and build from there. And then since the podcast is also largely focused on uh, in terms of what's going on technology-wise in industry, I'd love to ask you about that principle as well. Also, in terms of, because I know a number of accounting contacts of mine, this is an interest of theirs as well. Also, all the way up to the managing partners, uh, managing partner level in terms of how much should they know about tech and what are some of the ways in which they can start to become more educated. Um, obviously, some of the benefits are relatively obvious in terms of having a better understanding of what makes the most sense for your firm and how those skills are going to complement basically your subject matter expertise or the foundation that you've built on. But everything's becoming more technical, right? Technology 
it's not a matter of if, it's really a matter of when tech is expected to kind of disrupt everything. So the more comfortable you become with that sooner rather than later, the more that's going to benefit you. I'd love to hear your thoughts since you've you know, done this throughout your career as well. Also, what strategic advice do you have to offer folks who want to have a better understanding and how to complement their subject matter expertise and their foundational knowledge with more uh, in terms of uh, technology and technical knowledge? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, the interesting thing about that, Sean, is that you've got that, you know, tech is just, I mean, it's just fundamental of how we do things now, but that there's also risks associated with that with respect to cybersecurity and making sure that as you're looking at these new you know, opportunities or even in your existing environment, how you enhance and strengthen that because, you know, people are looking to disrupt you in different ways. Disruption not only comes from looking at your industry and how they can change the industry, but also disrupt your business from within. And if they can come in and like either, you know, shut down your general ledger system, that's a disruption too, right? And so if you ultimately don't have really strong technology and individuals who understand that, you can be disrupted in multiple ways. Now, what I would say in, in terms of when I think about some of the advances that technology, you know, helps with is looking at how do we, do things that we might have done historically in a better, faster, smarter, more efficient way. And leveraging, you know, automation, you know, through technology to do that. Things that were manual that can now be automated, you know, how, how do we you know, advance that to ultimately, you know, hit, you know, improve our bottom line, right? So, so I think that you have to think about ways that, how do we operate now? How do, how are, are there things that we can do to take, um, you know, you know, like work out of the system? you know, leveraging technology and not being afraid to you know, pursue something like that. But you have to be you know, willing and, again, leveraging the network if need be to understand what are the opportunities to, to do that. Right? And so it's really about you know, having the conversation, understanding what do we, what enhancements do we need to make, you know, in our environment. And again, with, with technology being what it is, I mean, I find that, you know, if you don't, if you're not in that space, some people tend to be somewhat afraid of it. Because they think that, oh, this is going to, you know, disrupt the way that we work or it's going to mean elimination of jobs. And everyone may do that. But if you're going to stay relevant and be able to be and maintain being a strong player in your specific space or even grow that space, then you've got to figure out how do we leverage the benefits of technology to do that and uh, and take advantage of the opportunities that may exist. So I, I'm a strong proponent of looking at ways that are you know, smarter or faster to do things, and technology brings that, and uh, it sometimes can do it in a pretty cheap and expensive way. Fantastic. I'm particularly a big fan of everything you said, but I would definitely call more attention to automation, of course. <laughs> Very <laughs> excited for the possibilities that aren't just available now, but certainly in the future as well, too. Uh, it's an exciting time, and we're going to see, I think, a lot of innovation come from it, which is super exciting. Hoping to be involved with as much of it as possible. Uh, Corey, thank you so much for being here, sharing your extensive knowledge and experience. I know it's going to be really beneficial for our listeners. I've got only a few questions for you before we wrap up this episode. The first is, are there any resources in particular that you'd like to share with the audience where they can go to learn more about anything we talked about here today or anything else you think is valuable for our listeners? 
Well, you know, I'd say that just from the things that I specifically shared, uh, I would definitely advise your listeners to reach out to me on LinkedIn, and um, we can be you know connected, be part of each other's networks. Happy to do that and to share additional thoughts with you should they have questions on any of the topics that you know I talked about. Uh, I'm a strong advocate of Harvard Business Review. They're generally, you know, I would say pretty short articles that you can read about a variety of topics that just help you to stay relevant and informed. Uh, I'm, yeah, I would, shame to say, but I, I don't read as many books as I would like to just because of how busy I tend to be, but I do find, you know, different periodicals, whether it's, um, you know, Forbes or looking at, you know, something like Harvard's, Harvard Business Review as something that I can grab an article, see what's current and what's, what's going on. You know, AICPA, again, plug, uh, they've got a lot of uh, really interesting topics and uh, articles about a variety of topics that are impacting, you know, the accounting and you know, finance industry. Those are, you know, also great resources. So I would say, you know, find something that is, you know, relevant, a source that you trust, that you feel you can get those, you know, just little tidbits you know, and, and just to help you. Your podcast, another great example right, of, you know, resources that someone can pick up pretty quickly and you're not investing a ton of time to be able to do that. And it helps you to really gain those additional insights that you need. That's where I would start. But I would also say that, you know, getting more as, as you, you have time, you know, getting more into, you know, various uh, books and things that are in your field or, or of interest, also, you know, great there. But the last thing I would share, and this again gets back to the building your technical skills, is that if you are in an environment where you are, you know, there's either whether it's technology or it's something new and, you know, and fast paced. How do I, you know, learn more about that? What are the tools that are available to me to really advance my thinking around those types of matters? You know, find, find those tools and, and look at that because it will only help you in the day to day work that you're doing to advance your work, your career. So those would be my tips there. Excellent. Well said. Thank you for sharing. And we'll link to those uh, resources that you mentioned as well, too, in the show notes for any of our listeners who want to make sure that they have the right resources. Those will be included there. And then, of course, the last question I have for you is who should reach out to you and how can they best get in touch? So I would say the individuals who are, you know, so I'll give you a couple of different spaces. Uh, because my background in public accounting, I've got a lot of experience in history in that space. So I'm still you know, very tied into that community. Um, based on my role with the EICPA, you know, tied into both business and industry, uh, technology, you know, nonprofit organizations, accounting, that that's another way that, you know, you can connect with me through the work that's in the ACPA. And then if you're in business industry, specifically in the healthcare space, um, that's another, you know, way or or reason maybe you might be rich, interested in reaching out to me. And then I would say, lastly, just from a mentorship perspective, I'm a big advocate of you know, supporting you know young people, folks in the community, trying to help them to advance their career in uh, public accounting, in the industry, just in the accounting profession as a whole. So LinkedIn is probably the best option for you know connecting, and then we can go from there. So, but happy to engage just to see how I can be of support. Fantastic, and thank you for sharing that as well too. We'll include your LinkedIn profile as well, also for any listeners who want to reach out and establish a connection, which I would highly encourage you to do. Um, so thank you for offering that, Corey. And I really appreciate you being here and sharing your knowledge and experience with myself and our audience. Sean, it's a pleasure. I look forward to hearing the podcast and engaging with you in the future. And, and thanks for again for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Accounting Automation. I hope you found it valuable. 
I help accounting firms scale their profit exponentially without needing to hire any additional accountants. So if your firm is in growth mode and can't keep up, I'd love to talk to you more about how I can empower your firm to do more with less through automation and technology. To learn more, visit my website, nextstep.io, or email me, sean at nextstep.io. That's sean, S-E-A-N, at nextstep, N-X-T-S-T-E-P, dot I-O. Hey folks, Sean here, and I want to thank you for engaging with my content and encourage you to sign up for my free five-day video email course called Bottleneck Buster. Bottleneck Buster is designed to show you how to boost the profitability of your firm without hiring. You'll learn where your firm is wasting time, how to get that time back, and how to reinvest it to drive greater profitability. Sign up for the course at bottleneckbuster.com.